This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, April 6th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adio A Jr. And joining me is Tim Ma fucking Gettys. How you doing, Bless? Tim, I'm doing pretty good today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good as well, man. Oh, it's a good now, day. The Final Fantasy VII review embargo is up. Our yeah. review is out now on YouTube.com slash yeah. kindoffunnygames. People can Woo. check that out right now. We were all glowing on it. We all had great things to say. Uh, yeah, people should definitely, definitely, definitely check that out. Tim, at what yes. point, this is, what, this is what's been on my mind for the last mm-hmm. couple of days. At what point does Kind of Funny make the decision to just work from home forever? Well, at what point do we realize that this is the better is the it's the better better thing to do, mainly for the reason of after I get done with this podcast, I get to just roll back in my bed and go back and to play sleep. some Final Fantasy. Oh, okay. Oh, or, that, play, or play some yeah. Final Fantasy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think that decision might be made for us at some point. <laughs> fair, fair. Tim, how's your weekend? Uh, my weekend was fantastic. Uh, it has been filled with a lot of Final Fantasy VII. Whether it was playing the remake talking to you guys about it uh which god i can't even wait to talk more about it but also just going back and watching a lot of old videos of different final fantasy 7 projects and just like hype compilations and stuff watching the ending of like crisis core on psp watching advent children just for the fuck of it i i last night after the review i was like you know what i guess i gotta give this thing a go give it another go and i did yeah it's fantastic man man. and it's fantastic for what it is Uh, but the thing that impresses me most is I remember when that came out, I, me and all my friends were just blown away by not only how good it looked, but that it took this thing that we loved and kind of made it look modern. Because yeah. we, we were used to like original polygonal cloud and all this and seeing him in beautiful HD was like shocking. And this is back when HD was like when 720 was a big deal, you know, um, and it was just so, so impressive. But now it doesn't look as good as the remake. Yeah, that's the thing is I've gone back and seen screenshots <laughs> of Advent Children. I'm like, man, the remake actually looks better than the movie, which is a thing that you would never imagine back in the day. Uh, and Tim, I'm I'm very excited to continue yeah. to talk about Final Fantasy VII because today's stories include Final Fantasy VII reviews, the mystery of Cooking Mom and Cookstar, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when you get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames or listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show head to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show and now it's time for some housekeeping of course go to that games cast feed listen to our final fantasy 7 review uh it's me imran tim andy greg we all uh pretty much are, we're we not even pretty much going on it. We all love it. We're all like yeah. in love with the game. So go go check that out. Listen to us. I forget how long we went in that. I think we went at least like probably like an hour, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things where when you're talking about a game you love, it, 
time flies. Exactly. And and to be clear, it's very spoiler-free. Uh, we're yes. doing a, a spoiler cast next week on Gamescast. So um, please write in with your your questions, your comments, your thoughts on Final Fantasy VII in a spoiler way uh, for next week's episode. Yeah. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Mohammed Mohammed, Al Tribesman, and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Manscaped, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have five stories today. A baker's dozen! Starting with number one, the Final Fantasy VII reviews are live. We have a review roundup for you here. On to Metacritic. be clear, real quick, I'm seeing in the chat a little bit. We're not going to spoil anything in this show. Do not no. worry. Yeah, we're not, not spoiling worry at all. Uh, Metacritic, we're sitting at an 87 for Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, with 75 critic reviews at the time of recording. Tamor Hussein at GameSpot gave it a 10 out of 10 and writes, regardless of your history with the original game, Final Fantasy VII Remake is an astounding achievement. The wait for its release was a long one, but in gameplay, story, characters, and music, it delivers. The wait was worth it. For the first time, for first-time players, it's an opportunity to understand why Final Fantasy VII is held in such high regard. It's the chance to experience a multifaceted story that grapples with complex subject matter, be in the, comp- in the be in the company of memorable characters, and be moved by their plight. For returning fans, this is this isn't the Final Fantasy VII your mind remembers. It's the one your heart always knew it to be. Wow, what a line! Uh, Tomorrow, Hussein is a poet. Tom Marks at IGN gave it an 8 out of 10 and says, The expectations around Final Fantasy VII Remake are sky high, and it mostly manages to deliver. Its combat is top-notch, its enemy variety kept me constantly entertained, and seeing this snippet of story fleshed out with real emotional arcs and the previously hidden humanity behind Midgar filled me with pure joy. The boring RPG filler and Kingdom Hearts-esque convolution what, uh, that was inserted in between did not did stop my ear-to-ear grin from being constant, but never long enough to kill the mood completely. That leaves this remake as one as one that still delivered on letting me relive part of a classic in stupendous fashion, while also standing as a great RBG all its own. Before and then, we move on, uh, I, I, just th- I think it is interesting to point out here uh, with GameSpot and IGN, and again, th- when it comes to outlets, they're not just one person, there's many people, so they are different people that review these games, but yes. it's interesting week after week to see uh, IGN give Final Fantasy an 8, Resident Evil a 9. And yeah. tomorrow, over at GameSpot, Tamar given uh, this a 10, and they gave Resident Evil a 6. Yeah, so that was also a like, thing I, I took notice of, too. But I, I do think uh, combining those with our reviews of both of those games, um, mm-hmm. I think that it really is just kind of, uh, this is more evident than ever that different people have different opinions. And they're, they're, yeah, there's, not a, there's not a right and wrong. And when it comes to, to games that are, we've hit a point that video games are consistently so good that people can be a bit more critical um, of of good games and it's not just kind of like is it the best or is it the worst there there's room yeah. for people to think kind of on, on both sides of that spectrum yeah context definitely comes into play especially with both of these games i read multiple reviews of final Fantasy VII remake i read a lot of tom's review and for a lot of it like i was like oh yeah i totally understand where tom's coming from even though i'm way more glowing on the game like i mentioned in the games cast and on twitter that final Fantasy VII remake is, is one of my favorite games i've ever played which is the thing that i wasn't expecting because i didn't play the original final fantasy 7 all the way through i played like an hour or two but i never really had that connection with final fantasy 7 the way that final fantasy 7 fans have and so coming into this remake i wasn't expecting to fall in love with the game i was expecting to enjoy it because it's stylistically it's my jam i like jrpgs i like 
uh i like cyberpunk you know that style of of sci-fi and i i kind of digged how i i always digged how final fantasy 7 seemed to mix fantasy and cyberpunk and sci-fi and in cool weird ways and so going into it i was like okay i'm gonna i'm probably gonna like this game but i'm not looking i'm not expecting it to be like my favorite one of my favorite games ever um and coming out of it it is that said hearing tom talk about filler i'm like yeah that makes sense like there i i could see how you would see how you you could view quite a bit of of the moments or or tasks in this game as filler um and with re3 remake I can also understand how people would love that game more than I did because what I was looking to get out of that game might be different from say what an RE3 fan was looking to get out of RE3 or somebody who just who was looking forward to it being more of RE2 was 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 wanting to get out of it from RE3. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting cuz uh you know sorry keep keep going on with uh, the rest of this so Joe Juba at Game Informer gave it an 8.75 and says, regardless of what the future holds, Final Fantasy VII Remake finds an impressive equilibrium between its past and its present. Square Enix nods to the original without depending on that familiarity, crafting a distinctive world and exciting combat system that, I, that feel modern. The new approach still has rough edges, but that doesn't stop Final Fantasy VII Remake from carving out its own legacy. Yeah. I, I feel like this game, more than any in history, has the the issue of bias going into it um where every single person's bringing something to this when they're reviewing it or when they're they're, yeah. they're playing it whether you're a fan whether you're not a fan whether you've played final fantasy 7 before and it's your favorite final fantasy or it's your least favorite final fantasy like there's just so many uh angles that people can come at this game and i think that that is being reflected in in a lot of these reviews but at the end of the day these reviews are all good there's no yeah. reviews yeah. that are saying I mean, like oh man this is this is horrible I'm going to look up this. I saw a review from EGM and I didn't read the review itself, but I saw the score and I believe they gave it a six out of 10. Um, really? That's insane. Yeah. And I, the only reason I saw this was, okay, actually it was a three out of five, which is different. Okay. But that I is different. It's, it's different in the, in the it, context. It is, of like what A three out of five is entirely different than a six out of 10 when you're talking yes. about reviewing games. Like even yes. though that sounds stupid math wise, but yes. But yeah, it's like to me, it's like the I, I also I've read a, a lot of these reviews and uh, uh, Kat Bailey's at US Gamer was one that I thought was really interesting where I don't agree with her, but I get where she's coming from. Similar to what mm-hmm. you're talking about with Mark, uh, both of them kind of are harping on the, the the added stuff in this game and the side quest being filler. I, I feel like that is, in my opinion, that's not the case more often than not there are definitely mm-hmm. things i can point to that are filler but i do feel like a lot of the stuff that they added is fleshing out the world in a way that i i kind of needed that as a uh, a break from the the breakneck pace that the game has yeah. being so linear uh, because this really does feel more like a uncharted type experience than uh an open world rpg that you'd be used to in in modern times right like you're you're kind of yeah. constantly getting to the next story beat, right? In the, in what yeah, seems the like next oh. the next cutscene, the next uh, big set piece. Like it feels like you are. It, it feels like almost like a Metal Gear Solid kind of experience, where the reward is the story, and the reward is like these big moments that that uh, lead you along. And and here's my my biggest thing about. Uh, I'm happy you brought up Metal Gear Solid. Again, without spoiling anything, I'm not talking about story beats at all. I'm talking about just like in terms of what the game is. I feel like. This game reminds me of a mix of, of, in my opinion, a perfect mix of Metal Gear Solid 1 and Metal Gear Solid 4. It is an amazing standalone okay. experience that first-timers can play for the first time and absolutely love. But 
if you have the nostalgia and you get all the things that they're building and doing and referencing and just even just seeing like the, the moment in Metal Gear Solid 4 where you see him pixelated going back to Shadow Moses, the entire yeah. game feels that way. The, the, every, t- every single time you get to another boss, you're like, oh, it's that guy or oh, it's this place. It's like, you know what you're about to see, but when you see it, they just do it so right. And it's it feels so modern that I'm just like, this game delivers on my nostalgia, and that can be the most difficult thing to to accomplish. Yeah, and for me, as somebody who's coming into it brand new, right, didn't didn't have that uh, that fandom of Final F- the original Final Fantasy VII. Like, it's still it's it's still achieved like having a, a brilliant story on that level. Like coming into it fresh, like the, the characters felt cool, like felt awesome. The relationships there felt great. The combat system awesome. Like. We go into it in our in our review, which you, you should go listen to. But I think there is something in Final Fantasy VII remake for literally everybody. Uh, the Nail Biologist writes in and asks, "Happy Mo- or they ha- Nail Biologist writes in and says, Happy Monday, blessing to him. All the reviews for the Final Fantasy VII remake are in, and holy shit, I'm excited. But Tetsuya Nomura has been known to get involved in a project and completely befuddle, overcomplicate, and animate the shit out of the stories. See Final Fantasy XV and Kingdom Hearts in its entirety. Without spoilers, can you see how Nomura's involvement affected the game? Or do you think that Nomura has nailed his style? And Square has come back and Square has come to knock games out of uh, out of the park again. Thanks, the nail biologist. The answers to those questions are yes, kind of, and yes. So yes, you can totally see Nomura's hands on this project. Um, has he nailed his style? More than ever here. But I do think that uh, this is more of a... Uh, it's It's always easier to ask a question than give an answer. And this feels mm-hmm. like he asked an amazing question. Uh, in his style will it be answered we'll have to wait and see because i feel like you talking about uh kingdom hearts and stuff it's like it's not that it got crazy and convoluted until it kind of kept going so uh, we need to we need to keep going and, and to see exactly where that lands but has square come to knock uh games out of the park again absolutely this game yeah. is fantastic this game is something that i would expect from square from 15 years ago yeah like the late 90s yeah, like this is this is fantastic. It is it's up there for me. Of it might be my favorite Final Fantasy game. Mm. Quick jab, right? Wait, do you like says, it more than eleven? I fucking hate you, Kevin. I hate <laughs> you so goddamn much. One of the longest running jokes. It's kind of funny. Is Nick saying that my favorite Final Fantasy is Final Fantasy eleven, a game that I didn't even play? <laughs> what what is your favorite Final Fantasy? Is it ten? Yeah, it would be it'd okay. be ten because like it was my first. I do love the characters. I love the story. I love everything about ten. The battle system. All of it was great, mm. but seven was always my my close number two, six behind that. Um, so I, I am a bit more biased towards the wow later ones. They're not later anymore at all. I'm an old ass man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do. I think Final Fantasy Seven Remake kind of delivers. Uh, I said this in the review as well, but like this this game gave gives me everything I loved about Final Fantasy fifteen, thirteen, and Kingdom Hearts in one in the package of final fantasy 7 and it's like that's kind of all i could ask for because there was so many elements of 13 that i loved the battle system the staggering system it was just so interesting and uh it wasn't until 
the, the, the game just didn't deliver for me. Like the story mm-hmm. was really weird. It was way too linear for its yeah, own. Very player. linear. That's the thing that, um, that had me drop off of 13 was I think I got maybe like four or five hours into it. And I was just like, I just don't care about it. Like the game is probably it was at the time. It was one of the most beautiful games ever, I'd ever seen. Yeah, totally. The soundtrack was beautiful. And I also did like the soundtrack. battle system. Yeah, the um, battle system was awesome. I just feel like the battle yeah. system, even beating the game, it never hit a point where I was like, I'm I'm in the rhythm, I'm feeling this, and I'm being challenged. It kind of just felt like they gave me the tools, and I was just doing the thing the entire time. Whereas Final Fantasy VII Remake, I feel about five hours into this game, it is you are in the rhythm, you're in control of all the systems at play in the combat, and they're giving you good reasons to use the knowledge that you have. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't... And I know, like the conversation, you know, it's kind of about about filler. When we're talking about like what what might be wrong with the game, but for me, in terms of the combat and the gameplay, I don't feel like there's any filler. Like mm-hmm. all the material that's there feels useful. I feel like I have so many options at play. I feel like between the abilities, the spells, the items, and all that stuff, I feel like there's so much use usefulness there, and all of the options that they give me. Um, and yeah, like uh, I've never vibed with a Final Fantasy. Like Final Fantasy is, I've always wanted to like a Final Fantasy, but all the ones I've tried, I fell off of. Thirteen fell off of uh, the original seven, couldn't get into, and then uh, fourteen with which is the MMO. Like I, I played some of and, and bounced off of. It's yeah. different. Um, what about fifteen? Yeah, I didn't even try fifteen. I think at that point I was just like, I don't think Final Fantasy is for me, which is which makes this game kind of a miracle for me because I, I. I never foresaw a feature where Final Fantasy was my jam, but after now beating Final Fantasy VII Remake, I'm like, I might have to go back and like either give like 15 a shot or maybe like the older ones a shot. But yeah, it, I don't know yeah. if they're gonna hit the same. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll have this conversation again in the spoiler cast games cast, and we'll yeah, we'll have some fun there. Quick Jab writes in and says, Final Fantasy VII Remake is out and reviews are overall pretty positive. My main question has to do with the fact that for probably the first time in any media. This game is cutting up the original into multiple parts and fleshing out the story. Do you guys feel from what you played that this is the that this was the best decision for the remake? And do you think more developers could adapt this strategy for older games to make them modern and more realized than ever? Without spoilers, what do you hope to see is fixed in the next game? Thanks. This was absolutely the best call. Uh, I feel like playing through this, having beat it now, um, there is nothing missing from this game. It is a complete story. It feels like a full-fledged modern video game. It has storylines that have beginnings, middle, and ends. It has characters that have arcs. It works for me. Everything that they flesh out, everything that they add works for me. Um, I I feel like this isn't going to work for any game. I think it specifically does work for this game. And I've always been on the, the team that the... I know a lot of people are angry about the marketing of this game and calling it remake when it's not a remake of the full game and all that. And I've always thought that that was a little... Um, alarmist because i get it but i i doubt there are i don't think there are many people that are buying this game and that are going to get tricked i feel like there are more Mm -hmm. people saying there are those people than there are actually people that are going to get by this game play through this game and feel like they didn't get their money's worth yeah so um so with that i i'm very excited to see where this goes and i i don't think that it would work for any game but for a game as big as the original final fantasy 7 um, I think that they made really smart calls to make sure that every element of this game was up to par for what they were going for and what their vision was. And their vision was making a phenomenal technical achievement of a video game where the world feels so big and so real. They make Midgar feel like the planet yeah. in this game. 
the amount of like just going from sector five to sector seven feels different, even though it looks similar. The vibe, it's it's in the music, it's in the the atmosphere. It's like they and the characters even like where the, the inhabitants of the place. I feel like the just having the the voice acting instead of just reading the text enhances this so much. It feels so much bigger, and I, I think that they really nailed those elements. And um, I don't know how many parts this will have, and. I, there definitely has never been a video game like this, but I will say this game is not episodic. This is it, it, that probably was yes. like the worst words they could have used because it's not an episodic game. This is not part of a game. This is a full game that will get a sequel. We'll get a, another sequel. Yeah, I I agree. I think the thing for me is this game having this game has one of my favorite stories in a video game, and it being a part one, quote unquote, doesn't really affect it for me right coming into it fresh and having that like the beginning the middle the end the way things wrap up the way the the way characters have arcs the story moments like all of it feels like a full complete package even knowing that this is this is taking inspiration from a thing that had way more way more content like what i i I think i've heard that this is only like what the first tenth or the first like fifth of like it's a it's a fifth of the original game the original game that like having that in mind going into this game like or coming out of this game doesn't really make a difference to me like this game does feel like a full story and i love this story like alone and i'm I'm probably gonna love the the sequels if they uh keep the same level of quality and keep the same level of presentation but and that's at my this point like is they did it. such a good job with with reinventing and reinventing is not even the right word with just delivering on the midgar story and enhancing it so much that I have full faith in them for these sequels. I have full faith that they're going to take all the elements from the rest of the game and present them in as fascinating a fashion as they have with this one. They're going to make it work. Story number two. What the fuck is up with Cooking Mama Cookstar? I'm pulling from Joe Scrabbles at IGN. And before I get into it, Tim, have you heard anything about this? I saw that there was a kerfluffles going on here. but There's I, I didn't a kerfluffle going on. It's itch- There's a conspiracy theory, man. I'm loving it. There's a lot going on, and it's been it's been brewing over the weekend. And I'm so Joe Scrabbles is probably the 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 one who has the best write up on it, and it's a long write up. I'm not going to read it all because it's a lot, but I am going to read quite a bit of it, and then I'm going to go into bullet points and in important tidbits. But prepare yourself because this is a story. <laughs> uh, Joe Scrabbles writes on IGN. There have, been pl- there have been a lot of gaming mysteries over the years, many of which have now been solved. What happened to Half-Life 2 Episode 3? Well, we kind of know. What's the meaning of the Mount Chiliad mystery? We got our answer. But there's a new gaming enigma, one that stretches back into last year, a mystery still waiting to be solved as I type. What in the freshly baked hell is going on with Cooking, Mom- <clears throat> Cooking Mama Cookstar? The core of this mystery lies in the fact that depending on where you look, Cooking Mama Cookstar is either out now coming soon, or completely MIA. A trailer on the game's Twitter feed definitively announces that it's available now on Nintendo Switch. That statement is at best partially true. That trailer and the game's website point to a Nintendo eShop version of the game, but if you search for that version at the time of writing, in the US or Europe, the eShop returns no results. Not even a coming soon entry. Even stranger, the game was released on the U.S. eShop last week, but only for a few hours, before being unceremoniously pulled from sale and its listing scrubbed from uh, from Nintendo's digital store entirely. Physical copies of Cookstar are a different story. According to some very pleased-slash-confused Redditors, copies have quietly appeared in select U.S. outlets of Target. Amazon only lists 
third-party sellers, at least one of which seems to have been set up solely to, to sell this new Cookie Mama game, strangely, implying the retail giant has no copies at all. In Europe, the game is seemingly impossible to get a hold of right now and is listed by several retailers for release later this month, but none of them seem to agree about when. Don't get me start don't even get me started on the apparent PS4 version of the game, which is listed for sale across the internet, but hasn't outwardly been mentioned by any official source around launch. Cooking Mama Cookstar is, in essence, Schrodinger's video game, seemingly existing and non-existing simultaneously with neither state particularly easy to prove. And now I've condensed into bullet points. Uh, because then it, it, Joe kind of goes on and on about some of the details, and there's a lot of details, but condensed, here's what I have. Nobody seems to know who's developing the game. Quote, this from the story, the first real mystery to contend with is who who has actually made this game. The sole mention of a creator on Cooking Mama Cookstar's box is Planet Entertainment. Neither Planet Entertainment nor Planet Digital claim to be developers, both list themselves as publishers. And it gets stranger. Planet doesn't seem to acknowledge its involvement with Cooking Mama Cookstar anywhere other than the game's box and the Cookstar's website. The company, the company Twitter account has been silent since 2019, and there's no mention of the game on the planet on the Planet Entertainment's website. In fact, that website actively deleted older posts about the game. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. And then here's another bullet point. In August 2019, there was a blog entry on Planet's website, which became notable for announcing that the, that the new Cooking Mama game would be the first game to integrate blockchain technology on major consoles, which led to widespread confusion at the time. The that press release discussed adding in-game currencies, online events, and private key-enabled private key enabled balanced DRM. Please remember, we're talking about a cooking mama game. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> just to up the strange, strangeness a bit more, a final paragraph announced that the game would, would have a vegetarian mode, which, uh, which, for which it won an award from PETA. And then uh, this is me adding some editorializing uh, because I, after I read all this, I went and like tried to do some digging and I came up on pretty much nothing. But some added editorializing. Uh, there are rumors that the game is using switches to mine Bitcoin, which is causing switches to overheat. But as of now, those are only rumors. What in my personal fuck? research, <laughs> in my personal research, I've not seen anything concrete regarding this claim. And then uh, I believe this is from yesterday, late yesterday. Uh, from a cooking, oh, this is from 13 hours ago, actually, from Cooking Mama Cookstar's Twitter account, official Twitter account, which has, which seems to only have 210 followers. And so I'm going to say this is the official cooking, cooking Mama account, Cooking Mama Cookstar account, because it's the only thing I can find, and they're tweeting as if they're official, but I can't really confirm because there's no check mark, 200 followers, all this stuff, but this is like literally the only, the only Twitter account out there. I hate that the, the ad handle is at Cookstar Mama, and we yes. just look at it. It looks like Cockstar Mama. Yeah. <laughs> but they tweeted this yesterday. The internet is alive with rumors that Cookie Mama Cookstar contains hidden cryptocurrency slash blockchain capabilities that are causing the switch to overheat. This is absolutely incorrect. At Planet Entertainment, we explored both blockchain technology and cryptocurrency tokens. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> We looked at these options as a means to allow players to trade in game assets. However, we only explored the theory behind the concept, not implementation. Cooking Mama Cookstar, nor any of our any any nor any of our other titles in the in the past or near future will utilize crypto technology. And then they tweet, "We we know that Cookstar fans are anxiously awaiting for the game to appear in the eShop. As everybody is aware, the whole world is upside down with delays right now. At Planner Entertainment, we are as as anxious as 
uh, as you for the digital download to be available. In the meantime, Cookie, Cookie Mama Cookstar is available in many North American and European retail web stores. Tim, what do you make of any of this? This is so bizarre. And the fact that it's Cooking Mama makes it even better. Yes. Like, the fact that Bitcoin and Bit whatever the hell are all involved yep, with cryptocurrency, mama, blockchain. It's just like here we thought our mom was just out here cooking cooking dinners and stuff. Like we didn't know she was out there on the black market doing all this shady shit. Now she's about to get caught. She's caught up right now. People Dude, are looking is, after her. She's trying to hide the evidence. This is like Walter White level of going from lovable father <laughs> to yeah. now like big old criminal. I feel like, betrayed. I. Would you would you be surprised that last night I like I I went on YouTube and just watched Cookie Mama Kickstar gameplay videos just to like make sure that like this game existed and it did like it looks it's just a Cookie Mama game the vegetarian mode is there like <laughs> vegetarian it's, it's, mode there dude Pete is stoked what yeah this is a, one of the most bizarre stories I think that we've ever covered on this show um I don't I don't get it I don't understand why it's a thing. <laughs> and how it even was discovered but the twists and turns are very tiger king i feel like yeah totally i mean let's let's boil this down to mm-hmm. a simple thing why is this game maybe out maybe not out is it out it's so right now on eShop, it's not out on possible it it seems like it was out on maybe retail stores but we got pulled down and nobody knows why. It seems like here in their latest tweets, they are claiming, well, they didn't outwardly say COVID-19 and coronavirus, but it seems like they've attached themselves to the delays that have been associated with that. How much I believe that, I'm not sure, because this seems like a weird game to get delayed because of COVID-19, right? Like, the, the reason why Last of Us and, like, other big Iron mm-hmm. Man VR and other games are being delayed is because of printing and because of pipeline issues this game was set to come out last week like it's already yeah. printed and even so like it's not it's it's <laughs> cooking mama it's not like a big it's not a huge like game that needs to have a physical release i'm sure they'd be fine doing digital remember when there was hella drama with martha stewart and that felt like yeah. the funniest thing in the world because it's just yeah. like how is she going down for some shit this is one of those situations and so we have no idea what's going on with cooking mama is it is it mining cryptocurrency and overheating switches? We don't know. I feel, like, but... I feel like I haven't seen my brother in a while. He might be hanging out with Cooking Mama. <laughs> uh, cool, Greg is cooking. Is Cooking Mama Snoop Dogg? Yeah, yeah. You gotta love it. Number three, <laughs> IGN's putting on their own E3. I'm pulling this from Jonathan Dornbush at IGN. IGN is proud to announce our new summer summer of gaming event, a global digital event set to begin this June to bring you the latest news and impressions around upcoming games and the next generation of console hardware. IGN will be collaborating with a number of partners for the summer of gaming, including 2K, Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, Amazon, Google Stadia, Twitter, Devolver Digital, THQ Nordic, and more. Expect more details in the coming weeks. The event will include live broadcasts and on-demand programming featuring IGN's editorial coverage of the work of game developers around the world. With E3 2020 canceled, IGN has a suite of programming planned to kick off in early June. It includes publisher presentations with IGN pre- and post-discussions, remote developer interviews, hands-on demos, and preview impressions, gameplay, and news segments recapping the biggest announcements. Quote, 
With the new generation of gaming consoles uh, kicking off later this year, and gamers eager to learn more about what games they'll be playing on the new hardware, our online event will be a key moment for publishers and developers to connect with the audience worldwide, end quote. Pierre Schneider, Chief Content and, product, and product officer at IGN said a statement alongside the announcement. Tim, you're you're an IGN baby. I am, man. You're, you're, is... you're birthed and born from IGN. I cannot help but be be super proud of them for this, and mm-hmm. um, simultaneously very excited for this. I think that it is a, a amazing moment, and I think that they're going to knock it out of the park. I think that everybody needs to understand what this is going to be. It's not going to be a replacement for the E3 press conferences, but what this looks like to me is it could be um, a replacement of the the YouTube kind of developer roundtables that uh, Keeley would be a part of that would mm-hmm. take place at E3. But on top of that, I do think when you look at this list, the stable of um, different publishers and developers that are going to be part of this, I think this is a really good opportunity for a press conference, an E3 press conference for the guys that wouldn't make it necessarily to the the big guys, the Sony, the Xbox um, press conferences, and like the games that would never be shown on a stage have a, a chance to finally be seen in this way. Like Square, normally, or at least the last couple of years, has done some type of uh, press conference, some type of show. Um, they haven't announced one for this year. They haven't, you know, confirmed anything i have a feeling with this this is where they're going to show their stuff if not um the bigger stuff being at a microsoft or a state of play or something like that but um i do think that it's it's a cool idea imagining e3 press conference that is sega and namco and stadia and devolve all of them making announcements and showing their games off and Mm -hmm. ign has the reach ign has the capabilities to make this a really fun entertaining show it has the editorial team to be able to add a lot of context and like really kind of enhance the the announcements so that they're not just announcements they're also you know like great interviews with the the different developers and and personalities um i'm I'm excited for this i feel that we at kind of funny did the kind of funny game showcase uh twice now but we did it last year at e3 and Mm -hmm. totally it wasn't this at all but um i always wanted it to be this i wanted to give a place for like the Segas and, and Bandai Namcos to kind of be able to, uh, and, and THQ Nordic to to really be able to to show their games off and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the, we did the focus more on the indie stuff, which is fantastic. But I love that this is something new. This is something that uh, yeah. that that IGN always has had the capability to do. And I've always kind of been surprised that they haven't done something like this in the past. Um, but given all the times and stuff, they I'm. I'm impressed that they're stepping up. I, I'm stoked to see what this turns into, and I think that we're going to get some cool stuff from it. Yeah, I think this is a brilliant move. And you mentioned it being something new, and I think, yeah, I don't see this as necessarily a thing that is that is replacing E3. But I think, in the sense that, in the in the sense that it is something new, and it is something that feels more current and modern with where we're at in terms of game reveals and where we're at in terms of streaming and internet and not necessarily having to have a physical presence in order to make a splash. Like, I think this is, this might be even more future, future looking than what E3 has to offer as as of this point, right? Like with people kind of being, I don't want to say people are tired of E3, but E3 has kind of been slowly becoming more and more irrelevant. And with E3 being completely absent this year, like this, does seem like a chance for something new to to arise and it seems like ign uh has kind of seen that like i can very i can very well see this like replacing e3 in the sense that this like 
like in the sense that you know i i think this first week of june or whenever this is thing this thing is happening i think they, they did say in the story early june that is going to be a week of announcements and events for publishers and developers that doesn't necessarily mean they have to come to one place to do that but ign facilitating a venue through which coverage can happen seamlessly and you can get a, a good like you can get a good center for interviews and previews and, and, and all this stuff i think it's gonna help out in terms of making that week still something worth showing up to and then also taking a lot of that uh that mind share away from e3 and and, and pouring it into ign nothing will ever replace e3 what e3 was is dead and i don't think we'll mm. ever return i think that uh what it what can be replaced is the medium in which games are announced and talked about. And I think that we are moving towards a future. We've been moving towards a future that focuses more on digital events or self-contained and owned live press conferences, whenever, wherever Mm -hmm. and whenever those people want to do it. I can imagine a world in 2022, 2023, where probably earlier, actually, I love 2022, um, where we're past this Corona stuff. And every everything's the gears are moving. We're we're back we're back to normal as much as possible. And E3 isn't that week doesn't matter anymore because the big moments are the quarterly Nintendo Directs, quarterly state of plays. I think that Microsoft is going to up its um Xbox, I forget what they call them now, but the uh the show that they do. The, oh, inside the, no, inside Xbox. That's what it is, oh, inside Xbox. Okay. I feel like they're going to tighten that up and once we get into next gen, make it a bit more like a state of play or Nintendo Direct. We'll get those throughout the year. Then we'll have the tent poles being Game Awards with Jeff Keighley, Jeff Keighley's uh, Gamescom coverage. And then if IGN knocks this out of the park or starts to build something, I can see this summer of gaming being another big mm-hmm. moment for a lot of the guys that aren't necessarily going to have you know, Nintendo Direct numbers or state of play numbers. Yeah. And it's so like, I- that sounds like an exciting kind of uh you know press release timeline yeah and i i I, i'm of the place right now where i think things are just going to get more more and more weird like i think that is what you're talking about is the future but i i don't see it being as kind of clean as far as everybody having their own direct kind of thing like i think i think inside xbox is probably going to continue to be what it is even though i think for for us it's underwhelming but i think for microsoft what it does it it works for what they're trying to trying to get accomplished right it's for them, it's game updates and it's stuff that you would see, let's say, PlayStation posts on the PS blog. That's the that's the type of stuff you're getting up from inside Xbox. And then XO19 or XO20, uh, or let's say, it's, yeah, it's happening this year, next year, right? XO20, XO21 will be that, like, their, their big kind of culmination. Like, they're N- Nintendo Direct, but bigger, right? Yeah. And live. Um, and, but yeah, like, I love that. Like, I, I love where we're, where we're going, where companies feel more comfortable to announce things on their own as far as instead of having to wait wait for a, a a big e3 press conference or wait for a big big week to get everything out there like i like being able to pace things out and ha- allow everybody to have their own moment i think that's more entertaining for for us um and i think it's just a better strategy just to yeah. have your own moment as, instead of sharing a week with every single other game that's being announced yeah i mean again like i said it, e3 will never be replaced there's a magic to e3 i will always very near and dear to my heart for the, the the years of joy that it brought me and the 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 
thousands of hours of speculation and hype and and all of that and it does it's unfortunate that that is no longer going to be something that i can partake in but um you know i also don't need to blow into a cartridge anymore things change yeah and you know there's with that comes a lot of other great things and a lot of other there's pros and cons to it all right so um we we have firmware updates now and that sucks but we also have instant access to downloading games pretty much whenever we want so things change it's gonna be okay things change Speaking of E3, story number four, E3 has been announced for 2021. I'm pulling this from Rebecca Valentine at gamesindustry.biz. VSA has announced the dates for its next E3 conference, June 15th to 17th, 2021. The news was shared with partners this evening with VSA saying it would hold a reimagined event next year. E3 2020 was canceled as a last month due to COVID-19 with the ESA saying, uh, at the time, it was, quote, exploring options with our members to coordinate an online experience to showcase industry announcements and news in June 2020, end quote. However, there is currently no update as to whether or not the ESA is still planning a digital event in 2020. And I, that's the that's the interesting thing for me is now that we have this IGN news that they're doing their summer of gaming thing, does E3 even do a an online event this year or have they lost that ground already? Uh, I, I think they lost the ground. And uh, they whether or not they i feel like if they were to have done something if they end up doing something in june it's going to be sponsor related where they have um, obligations that they need to commit so they Mm -hmm. need to do a x amount of hour live stream or whatever it is and we'll see something happen and it will not be of substance and it will not be anything that's going to affect the gaming industry as a whole yeah and then last story number five apex is adding duos for good this is from ea's website Uh, They write, starting on April 7th, duos will be added to the game alongside trios, as well as a permanent map rotation that gives players the ability to play duos or trios on King's Canyon and World's Edge. And for more clarification, I'm talking about Apex Legends. I know there are multiple games with Apex in the name, but when I say Apex, I mean Apex Legends. Uh, And then to continue, in addition to duos and King's Canyon coming April 7th, we also have a brand new limited time event, the Old Ways Lore event, which features a new town makeover, Bloodhounds Trials, exclusive event prize track, and then direct purchase shop, new event limited cosmetics, and return of legendary hunt skins. And so if you're a fan of Apex Legends, hooray, we got duos. Hooray. Awesome. Yeah. And King's Canyon, which I'm very excited about because I love King's Canyon. But Tim, that all Mm -hmm. happens April 7th. And April 7th is so far away. Yes. But if I want to know what's coming out to Mom and Grop shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by, that's right, the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Evan. Out today, we got The Last Turret on PC, Skin and Bones on PC, Uffelgrim on PC, and then You Lone nailed Castle that, bless. PC. I just Thank looked you. at that combination of letters, and I was like, oh, fuck. And you just ran with yeah. Uffelgrim. U-F-F-L-E-G-R-I-M. Which, How? You, you nailed it. That's it, It's yeah. not that difficult when you actually just phonetically go through it. But looking at that, that's a combination of letters in an order I have never seen them. Yeah, no, legit. I had to like stop for a second and be like, all right, <laughs> there's only one way this could possibly be announced. Unless it's Uflegrim. Uflegrim. It's, I guess there are other ways you can say it, but Uflegrim yeah. is what I'm going with. And then new dates for you. Saints Row the Third Remastered has been announced and is coming to Xbox One, PS4, and PC on May 22nd. And I saw some gameplay of it, and it looks it looks great. Like, it looks... the the They really remastered that thing. 
No, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it looks a lot better than it originally did. And like, it didn't look bad originally, but uh, I'm not a Saints Row guy. Like, I just I, I've no? never played them. Uh, I'm sure I enjoy them. They they sound fun uh, based on what They're you fun. said. But I'm so out of it. I just know it's a franchise that that that's happened a lot and people enjoy. But mm-hmm. you reading this Saints Row the Third Remastered's been announced and coming. I'm like, is that not already a thing? <laughs> is that nope. not already <laughs> released no. ten times already? Saints Row Four came out. Uh, early in the generation, was remastered. Okay. we also got uh, Gat Gat Out of Hell, yeah, Gat Out of Hell, which was like the like the standalone expansion from Saints Row Four. Mm-hmm. But Saints Row the Third is actually like a pretty beloved. I'm not gonna say I feel like all the Saints Rows are individually beloved for different reasons, except for Saints Row One. I never hear anybody talk about Saints Row One, but Saints Row Three, Saints Row, Saints Row the Third, the third game in the series, uh, was the one that kind of went for it in terms of like its goofy nature and goofy aesthetic and like uh the, like like the voice totally changed from saints row 2 saints row 2 was like hey let's make san andreas let's make a san andreas clone a grand Theft Auto clone and, and run with that saints row the third was the one where they're like you know what man let's have you jumping out of a plane to, to power by kanye west onto us onto a um a um like a whatchamacallit what are those when people have like balconies but not balconies they're like they're like roofs but they have like pa- a deck no it's like like, say you have like a like a party space on your roof. You know uh-huh. what I'm talking about? Uh, I forget the word for it. But you're diving onto somebody's to like a, a roof <laughs> on the building with like a party going on there. It's, it's great. It's a fun time. It's Hell a fun yeah. time, Tim. Uh, people should check out Saints Row Three if they haven't already, especially if you like those types of games. Motherfuckers uh, then, in the chat saying a veranda. Is it a terrace? Were you guys thinking terrace? Terrace sounds good. Terrace sounds like it, it fits that sentence. I Jumping feel out, like you're Kanye talking West about Power, like what the, what's the word I'm thinking hotel, of? right? Like the, how a hotel have a pool on like the 13th floor with a little yeah. veranda. Yeah. Mezzanine. There's a word I'm thinking mezzanine? thrown out by no. uh, Van Charles. I feel like mezzanine's in like an indoor thing where there's a I had the word the and then I lost it. Maybe it's not a real word. Maybe maybe I'm making this thing up in my head. Penthouse, thank you. That's yes, schism. penthouse schism is what I'm I can't take. Well, isn't, isn't a penthouse just the the top floor? He doesn't know. Is that what? Dude. It, but yeah. it's like a, it's like a pen. Like, well, I guess what it was was it's like a penthouse, but then good. it has like a big old balcony. Gotcha. Area okay, the penthouse's backyard. You that mean a terrace? To be on a roof. The penthouse's terrace. Yes, the penthouse's backyard that happens to be on the roof. Yes. Okay. There we go. That's there exactly we go. what I'm talking about. I don't know why I couldn't think of the word penthouse. Uh, deals of the day for you. This, today is the last day you can get the U.S. PS Plus games being Shadow of Colossus, Sonic Forces. That's one of the greatest video games of all time and Shadow of Colossus. So check that out. Um, now it's time Fun for Reader Mail. Blessing. What up? I once tried to convince Hunter Pence to buy the penthouse at the building he lives in because it was, well, it doesn't matter. It was on sale. <laughs> and I was like, hey, maybe you should get it. And he was like, no, I already have a place he here. We got so close. His wife was on my side. That's a crazy, that's <laughs> a crazy story, Kevin. <laughs> now it's time for some reader mail. You can write into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Manscaped. Support for Kind of Funny Games Daily comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. April is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Did you know one guy every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer? So this is a reminder for all the men listening to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Manscaped, in addition to providing the right tools and solutions for safe and easy manscaping, has partnered with 
the Testicular Cancer Society to spread awareness for men's health and early cancer detection. Together, TCS and Manscaped are committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men age 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impact- impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. While you're down there cleaning up your sack, why not go ahead and give them a little, inspe- a little investigation for lumps, changes in any size, uh, or any pain. Manscaped recommends you check yourself once a month. If you feel if you do feel any lumps or swelling, give your doctor a call. In addition to checking yourself regularly, you want to make sure your sack is looking fresh and clean with Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Hell yeah. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll find their electric trimmer called Lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin-safe technology will protect you from nicking your sack. Some of these liquid tools for your Yeah, some of these liquid tools for your family jewels include the crop preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant for your balls. Your balls stink, and you need to, you need to keep them smelling nice. And the crop stinky reviver, balls. stinky balls. The crop reviver, a spray-on ball toner <laughs> and refresher. The perfect package 3.0 also includes anti-chafing performance boxer briefs that keep your packages cool and smelling fresh all day. Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your balls today. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMES at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Learn more about testicular cancer screening at manscaped.com slash we-save-balls and share their educational videos to help save lives and balls. You can also get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMES at manscaped.com. That's 20% off uh, at manscaped.com with the promo code games. Your balls will thank you. Ignacio Rojas writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Like you can. It says, what's up, Blim? Blim. It's Blessing and Tim put together. It's Blim. All right. I hate it. I hate it too, Tim. Yeah, I don't, I don't I just, love that, it. That's awful. I might, here's and the thing. My name is a hard Ignacio name. providing this. It's just that it's no. bad. You know, people have been trying it since I got hired. People have been trying to combine my name with other names and it just, yeah, it's just not working. Yeah, I mean, name, people do it. It's just because your name is not so much name a name as, 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 you know, a it's a word. noun. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's difficult. A, I, I'm not good at blessing? English. Blessing is like a blessing. Yeah. Is it blessing? It's, can, it's not a verb. It's not something you do. It's no, to bless. I bless. I bless well, them. To bless is a verb. Jesus. Fuck. But blessing is like a, a singular, a singular noun. But yeah, English majors, let me know. Uh, somebody in the Reddit, make a thread, and maybe we'll we'll vote on people who can provide the best like couple names between me and other hosts because I've not really seen any good people. People said Gressing for me and Greg, and it's like, Ew. come on, yeah, right. That sounds gross. <laughs> like Gressing, I'm not rocking with Gressing. Like no, gressing is something like that you do that you get arrested for if they catch you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> with with Cookie Mama, I bet Cookie Mama's Gressing. Oh, a Cooking Mama is definitely dressing. Uh, people in the chat saying Bleg, which is awful. No, Bleg sounds like a Ratchet and Clank character. Also, it Demo, is a verb and a noun. Says Tim and Blessing is Ting. And that just sounds racist. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why, but I don't like it. Ting is like uh, a British slang. It's like a, is it? a vi- video game Ting. You know, like it's a, it's a, it's a rap Ting. Is it a mispronunciation people, of thing? Yeah. yeah, people who listen to British grime rap That's know what tight. I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. 
Ignacio Rojas says, how's it going? Uh, how's it going? With the recent rumors that Nintendo is remaking most of the 3D Mario games, what does this mean for, ret- for the retro console catalog on the Switch? It doesn't feel like Nintendo has supported the, uh, the services much lately, and with the company remaking some of the heavy hitters, could this be a sign of them not caring about the classic console services that much? I mean, compare how much effort they put into the retro console for Wii uh, to what they've done to Switch. Do you think they'll? Do you think we'll ever get N sixty four or GameCube games on Switch? Anyways, as always, keep being awesome. I do think we'll get them. Uh, I don't think that these remasters really have any any sway on on that at all, or whatever these end up being. It hurts me that Nintendo has done what it has with uh, their virtual yeah. console lineup this time. I I love the NES Online and SNES Online. I love the way they're presented. I love how easy it is to jump into the games, how quick it all works. And the the libraries are fantastic. However, there are some blatant omissions that I am bothered by. Like and and I feel like this is just kind of one of those weird yeah, like you just want what you what you can't have type situations, but sure. the amount of times I've opened up the SNES app and I'm like I want to play Donkey Kong Country 2 and it's just not there. It's not there. Earthbound is not there, which but is it's very like, unfortunate. But I'm like, do I really like I I could just play Mario World. I could just play Yoshi's Island. I could just play uh Final Fantasy like or I guess Final Fantasy is not there, but like uh, Link to the Past or whatever, Super Metroid. Like there are so many games there that I'm not playing that I wonder if they weren't there if I'd have that same feeling I'm having now about yeah. Donkey Kong. You know? It's like do I For really sure. but I do really want to play Donkey Kong Country 2 again. No, that's you my know? thing is like I would love to play Earthbound again. And granted, if I play it again, I'll probably get to on it and then like get to the fight behind the arcade and be like, okay, this is frustrating and then put it away. <laughs> like I always do. <laughs> like always. But, like, yeah. But like, I don't know. I it's, it seems to me that the virtual console on Wii U was probably just a way better solution than what they're doing now. Like right now, I don't feel like I'm satisfied by their approach to their backwards compatible quote unquote, or I guess their legacy titles is probably how I should put it. See, I don't know, man. Like being a Nintendo enthusiast to a fanboy level like I am over the mm-hmm. 30 years that I've been on this planet, I I feel like this is the better way. Like not owning it and all that stuff is, yeah, sure. Like there's there's many problems there. We understand that. We know that. But mm-hmm. you pay dollars a year for this service that you have access to all these games. That's way better than having to pay $5, $10, $15 a game for the exact same experience that we were getting on the Wii U and, and the Wii. Mm-hmm. There were more games that were offered there, and that's the only reason that, like, I feel like there that does get uh, any type of thumbs up, uh, because really, it's they're just ROMs, and it's like we know how to get ROMs if we need to get ROMs. So mm-hmm. having access to these things isn't isn't the actual problem. It is more just the ease of it and having it on a console, and not having to rebuy it over and over and over. Like that was bullshit. The Wii's Virtual Console lineup was fantastic, and they neutered it on the Wii U. And yeah. guess what? We all bought the damn games again. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I feel I'm the type of person that does go back and play old games a lot, especially Nintendo games. Like I love that. And if video games stopped happening for the rest of time, I'd hate it. But I'd still have all those things to go back to and I'd be fine. Like I would survive, you know, um, I just feel like the the one thing that sucks is it makes them feel more disposable. Having the individual kind of like slots on the um your little whatever the hell cross media bar or whatever the yeah. switch has like makes it feel a bit more like oh this matters so it's like when you just have to go into the app and it's just a bunch of games it feels like netflix it feels like oh it's all here none of it matters 
like I, I feel less incentivized to play through and complete it, you know, like to have that, like we talked so long going into the Switch's launch of will Nintendo have a trophy system, an achievement system. And I really wish that they did because game or at least had it more games, more of Nintendo games having some type of in system achievement, mm. like Smash Brothers does having the spirits, having, yeah. having these challenges. Like I want to play those games that way. And that's why I hope that, when these ports come out of these Mario games, like I, I want to be incentivized to get 120 stars, 120 shines, like all of that. And I, I, I don't know if they're ever going to actually do that. Yeah. That's the bummer thing for me. And I, and I don't know what it is for them that they don't see it worth doing, because if there was some kind of achievement system for playing, going back and playing old Nintendo games, like I would love to get achievements for Mario 64 or earthbound or DK Donkey Kong country. Um, or like DK sixty four, um, I like that mixed with the 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 fact that we and Wii U had just way more of an enormous library for the the legacy games compared to what we have now, just tracks me as strange. Especially because for us, it feels like there's no reason. For us, it feels like yeah, they're just holding this stuff just to hold it hold it back. And maybe it's a thing where they want to trickle it out and you know have games that they can give us over the years. But even now, like that that felt like it held more weight. When, when they originally when they originally released the NES games and they were dropping two NES games a month or however many it was mm-hmm. now when it's a drought it, it's yeah now that it's a drought and they're, yeah like they're not dropping just got dropped yeah. randomly yeah like it's it it feels like at this point there's just no reason to it um and like there's not really much for us looking forward like there's not been the promise of hey yeah you'll get N64 games or hey you'll get game uh Game Boy games or GameCube games or or Wii games like they're not really making those promises and so right now it just feels like a worse system to me. Yeah, I mean it's weird because like you look at it and it did take the Wii forever to get to a point of the virtual console being good and having the large library. It's like we can only look back on it and be like, wow, they have all this stuff and we don't now. True, because that that took years and Wii was even worse. Like the Wii launched and it didn't have Mario three. It fucking <laughs> didn't have Mario three. Like, how is that possible? At, at least this got the majority of the classics out the way on NES and SNES. Like, we are talking about a handful of titles on the Super Nintendo that are missing, right? Yeah. We hope they will be added soon. And it, you, you're right in saying that, like, from our side, it is looking at it like, but why aren't they there now? <laughs> like, Yeah, well, like, what's not? the holdup? Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it seems like there's a pattern that every September, Nintendo kind of announces new switch online incentives so maybe we'll have to wait till then game jumper x writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games just like you can and says google is giving away three months of pro for all youtube premium users do you think that google is desperate or was this the rollout plan the whole time are more free games coming i claimed it and i tried out with my hp laptop over wi-fi and wired ps4 controller it works pretty good but there are not a lot of free games compared to ps now which works about the same for me and is a way better and is way better because you can download some games I this this is this strikes me as a hey like we're we're seeing decrease in our subscribers and we need to get those numbers up um and I don't think it's like necessarily a desperate thing I think this is actually like probably a very smart move for them um granted it'd be smarter if the service was better because from like from all the things I hear about Google Stadia like 
it's fine but like i i've I've never heard anybody be like google stadia is it like google stadia is the jam like this is the best way to play or anything along those lines and so giving people access to google stadia uh and it it not necessarily being something to write home about i don't know if it's the best decision but it doesn't strike me as anything that's too desperate this just strikes me as a business move that i could see any other company doing Mm-hmm. If they had a service that they could link with it, link in with another service or subscription, like Spotify had, like had Hulu as part of it for like a month, and the, it's not like Hulu was. Die- I, no, I don't know much about Hulu. Maybe Hulu was in trouble, but like this, this is a thing that we've seen before in terms yeah. of linking these linking subscriptions together, especially with Google. I mean, I, I have YouTube Premium. I fucking love YouTube Premium, and uh, it all the times giving me random ass like oh you get google music you get rant like they just keep giving you all the different services as like demos because they're trying to get you hooked it's good business yeah. it's good business and now it is time to squat up brad writes in with a squat up for psvr and says hey everybody being stuck at home with jim jim's closed has gotten me into beat saber on ps vr i'm looking for some friends i'm looking for some best friends who have played or want to jump in so i can chase after your high scores uh, Brad's PS4 username, PSN name is Gimmels89. That's spelled G-I-M-M-E-L-Z 89 on PS4. And so if you want to do some score chasing, that's definitely like one of my favorite things to do with Beat Saber is to look at my friend's scores and be like, I can beat that and then end up not beating it. Um, if you want to do that, go friend Brad on PS4. And now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. So you guys can let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong. And let's see what we got today. Why am I not seeing anything? Oh, here we go. I had to scroll down for it. Because we're perfect. Uh, ooh, we I'm going to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich today for lunch, guys. And I'm pretty stoked about it. That is actually very exciting. DH Ruvenator wrote in. Actually, I'm going to verify this before I actually read this. But apparently there's a new Inside Xbox going on tomorrow. But I want to verify it real quick. Yep, it looks like this is legit. Yeah. Uh, Inside Xbox returns with its first new episode for 2020 tomorrow, Tuesday, April 7th at 2 p.m. Pacific time slash 5 p.m. Eastern time. So there you go. Some late breaking news. Um, Steve Jerbs says, you're wrong for Tim. When talking about Cookie Mama, Tim implied that blockchain was tied to the black market. Blockchain is only a technology for tracking purchases in shared ledgers. This technology is used for cryptocurrency, which is then used for shady shit. It's not inherently black black market. Mm -hmm. Block market. And then Try Hard Tim, which I'm assuming is a different Tim from Tim Gettys, uh, says Hellscape. Not sure. (laughs) <laughs> hellscape came out on switch so there you go hellscape came out on switch te- slash pc also Wait, i didn't hear what? you guys mention saints row 2 oh is he just saying like a new new date or uh yeah for, for out today got yeah. it got it got it I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. cool um and then morons rests in and i don't know if they're calling us morons or what but they say blesses over blessing is an adjective that's, blessing is not an adjective. Blessing not an adjective. No, blessing is not an adjective. Do you know what an adjective is? <laughs> what, what, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> hey, his name is. Oh man, wait. What okay, was, well, his I'm not, name I'm was gonna... Moron. Yeah, his name was Morons. <laughs> and... Oh, any Crickets. Somebody wrote in with a thing that I'm assuming is false, so I'm gonna make sure it is false. 
Yeah, this doesn't seem real. Uh, Tim, are you going to toast the bread before you put the peanut butter and jelly on there? Not today, Kev. Not today. Because I got this. I got the. uh, um, It's called Texas Toast Wonder Bread. Yeah. It's it's, it's thick. Tim, just so you know, I only buy the thick (laughs) bread so that I can make my (laughs) peanut butter and jelly sandwiches right. And I still toast them. I love it. This week's hosts are tomorrow is Blessing and Imran. That's me and Imran. Wednesday is Greg and Gary. Thursday, Greg and me. And then Friday is Greg and me. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the server level of patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Me and Tim are going to talk about the best 2D platformers in that post show. Are we doing the list again? We're doing the list again. So yes! if, you, if, you, oh, if you like the fun. previous one, if you like the previous post show, you're going to enjoy this one. Stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily. Mm-hmm. Then, oh, is it this wait. way? Wait, no, no, wait. Yeah, there we go. <laughs>